Welcome back to the Zert Coffee and Chaos podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything relating to what it means to be a survivalist and a prepared individual in today's society. I'm your host, Chris Bartagone. Back on the show with me, as always, my co-host, Jamie Franks. Jamie, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be here, as always. And I'm still counting down to see Hans Gruber all oh, off of boy. Nakatomi. Nakatomi. Here 11 more days. Um, well, folks, this is going to be an audio and video show. We are dealing with some uh, technical difficulties here in the studio, but uh, which is why we are back in a seated position. Uh, but we are working through that, and we, we will not, we will not make you guys suffer and not see our faces. So, because they're, I mean, I mean, frankly, Jamie Franks, frankly. There's some good faces to look at. So we wanted to give you yeah. that. Uh, um, I didn't know where you were going with that. That's exactly. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. Exactly. So you know what? That's it. That's <laughs> it. Um, and, you know, last week's episode obviously had a lot to do with show and tell. So it was important. And I'm glad that we were able to do that. This one's is is not as, as showy, but more telly, if you will. Um, but we want to keep the YouTube channel going. And so if you are listening to this on Apple podcast or Spotify, uh, please do us a favor and head over to the YouTube channel and like, and subscribe to the channel and then ring that bell or hit that bell. So you get the ring notification when we post a new video. Um, as far as sponsors, we are not really doing anything sponsor wise just yet, but uh, we do have some companies that we are working with and we will always let you know what those are as we roll out the last couple of weeks of 2023 here, close it out strong, and we have some exciting things happening in 2024. If we don't leave the world behind. <laughs> uh, and who knows? Uh, today's, today's episode, uh, we, were, we were going in a different direction, and then yesterday... Uh, I had received a second phone call about the movie referenced right there with that little Leave the World Behind. Uh, apparently, there is a new movie out on Netflix called Leave the World Behind. It stars Julia Roberts, and I'm going to just butcher his name, so we'll just go with Ethan Hawke um, and a couple other people. Uh, Marshala Ali or something. I don't know. The guy who's supposed to play the new Marshala blade. Ali? Marsha yeah, that's it. Who's supposed to play the new blade for Marvel. Uh, anyway, it was on there. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. Uh, so it, it's been, it's been out there on the, uh, on the Google box, on the interwebs. Uh, people are talking about it, but what people were talking about are who uh, two of the producers, two of the executive producers on the movie are. And it gained obviously some, Notice because it was uh, Barack and Michelle Obama. Uh, and I spoke to our friend in Arizona today and he was his first thing was, I don't you know, what kind of liberal message are they are they trying to push? And I don't know about you, but there was nothing liberal about it. No, if you watch it as a cautionary tale with all the things that we're going to talk about, it really um, to my mind, sends a very conservative message that that you need to be more prepared than you probably are, especially just 
regular Joe and Jane American. Um, right. I, first of all, I, I really liked the movie. Um, I really, really enjoyed the ending. And as far as that goes, because it is a new movie and, and people, people's holiday vacations and stuff are coming up. So, um, for two reasons, I pretty much stopped taking notes at about the 40 minute mark. Um, because the, I think the movie, the movie's about two hours and 15 minutes long or two hours, 20 minutes long, something like that. Yeah. Um, I stopped taking notes about 40 minutes in number one, because I didn't want to spoil anything. Uh, and because it is a new movie and, and number two, <laughs> I wrote down so much stuff in the first 40 minutes that we could probably, uh, probably talk more, more than our hour show here about it. There's so many good takeaways. And, and like I told you uh, yesterday when we were talking about it offline, I, I'm a big horror movie junkie. And, and one of my favorite horror movies is the original Blair Witch project. And there, I thought there were two genius things about that movie Number one, they don't ever show you the witch. They don't ever show you the villain. They don't ever show you the ghoul. Because by the end, whatever you have made up in your own mind is way scarier than than whatever costume they could have put together for the movie. But number two, in the movie, it's about these college kids that are going off into the woods to make this little documentary. And they're city kids. They're college kids. They are preparing for a little camp out that they don't think will amount to very much more than camping out in your backyard. So they don't really take it seriously and that's fine. Um, But they're not really prepared. They don't really have very much outdoors experience, it seems. And so one of the other genius things that I always thought about Blair Witch Project is when things start going south and bad things start happening and these three young people become under a great amount of stress and fear and everything else, uh, the decisions that the characters make in the movie, the decisions they make and the reactions they have to what's going on, I've always felt were very, very, very authentic. I, I think real people, most real regular people under those same circumstances would react very, very similarly and and make probably make those exact same types of decisions. And I felt this way about Leave the World Behind. I think um, most regular people most of the time walk around with their heads in their sand or their heads in their phone or their heads up their ass and just in the first half hour of the movie there's so many big takeaways that i think our listeners uh, can benefit from um if it's if it's things they haven't thought about or or know already yeah so so let's let me just kind of take a couple of steps back so are should we not really go into the movie because it's so new or or, or not. I mean, I don't really, I mean, what we could easily do is like what everyone else does spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen the movie and you are listening to this show and you in seven, the first seven minutes, you realize, well, maybe I want to watch this movie, then stop this podcast and go watch the movie and then come back. Because I think there's not really a way to get into this episode without talking a little bit about the movie. So um, the the things I have written down don't really give away much in the way of spoilers or plot points. I wrote down very specific actions that people did or didn't do and and very specific kind of isolated things that I'm going to kind of reference in the abstract. Like he comes across a stranger on the road like that's that doesn't give anything away. That's just something that happens in the movie. Okay. so so. All right, well, I'm going to do my it. best not to give yeah. away any spoilers in reference to the the plot of the movie or or 
or the or anything like that. It's just like all like I said, all I have is very specific things that they mostly did wrong. But um, okay, but I'm going to speak about and, it in the abstract, right? But just just to be clear and just to make that statement again, um, if you do not want to know anything about this movie and go into it blind, then hit pause here and come back to it after you watch this movie. But we are going to get into it. And I, it, it's funny. You also said you took notes. The person, uh, one of the people that told me to watch the movie also said they had a couple of pages of notes. I literally sat down, pulled out my notepad and a pen. I wrote down the title of this show and then I never went back to that again. Um, I, I just didn't, I mean, maybe I can, I I can absorb that knowledge because it's a movie a little bit better. And I didn't, I didn't need to go back and take any notes. It wasn't until the end of the movie that I was like, huh? Okay. And then I actually later that night was scrolling and, and saw some references to this, but there was, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson was on Theo Vaughn's podcast and there was a little clip and it was a perfect correlation to that movie. Um, and I don't know if they were talking about that movie in it, but it was, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. So I, I did not take any notes, but I definitely, there are some things that I, I noticed based off of our conversation. Cause you were watching it before I was based off of that. And you said, you know, there were some things that you were like, okay. And then I noticed some of those things, you know, specifically like, okay, that didn't seem to be that big of a, a, uh, a factor to these people where they decided to change what they were doing based off of what they had just seen. And obviously it was, you know, the situation at the beach. And I was just like, that probably <laughs> would have altered my next couple of things but yeah let's let, i mean let's get into it so and, and like i and me personally like i don't want to nothing i wrote down gets into like oh well pfft, that would never happen the way that uh the, the that thing at the beach the way that happened that would be totally different this would happen and that like i didn't really want to get into like authenticity of like details like that um like I said, I, I, everything that I wrote down was in the first 30 to 40 minutes of the movie, and everything has to do with with the people's behavior. And so many of these things, I, I even jokingly said to you when we, were, when we were talking yesterday, it almost seems like the writers of this movie must be fans of this podcast because several of the things that these people do relate directly to things that we have talked about at length on this podcast. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, then let's then let's get into it. Let's let's yeah. Let, let's start with uh, like. I mean, let's start at the beginning. So, I mean, I don't really know how to start at the beginning without giving up a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I mean, go ahead. You you, you give me where you want to go with this. because. So the movie starts, uh, it's, it's a couple, it's a man and a wife and a son and a daughter, uh, standard American family of four. And they just kind of decide on a whim that they are going to get out of the city. I don't know if it ever it's is it new york city yeah it is definitely new york city because they do reference long island and a couple of those shots you do see them looking across the sound 
Um, so they, they just kind of decide on a whim to get out of the city just because the stress of work and the stress of life. They just want to get away and have a, a kind of spur of the moment little vacation getaway um, out to, you know, the countryside. It's it's never I don't think it's ever really made clear where they go, but they rent this vacation house that's well away from the city, well away from any town. It is near a beach, but they have a pool and it's like a wooded area. So, I mean, it definitely does seem like someplace in New England, but but it, it's a they they purposely selected like a little isolated uh, rental house uh, as as a little vacation getaway. And so, yes, but and at one point, though, they do um, the the son's girlfriend drops a pin and they do identify a location and they said it's an hour away. So I believe it is it is inferred that it is Long Island. Okay. I didn't catch that part. Yeah. Uh, maybe I was making notes. <laughs> Probably. Uh, okay. Um, so they, they go and, and, you know, the first few minutes of the movie are just kind of, um, setting the, the scene. They go, they're on vacation. They're doing regular vacation stuff. They're in this nice house. Uh, it is this very nice house, like out in the, in the countryside in a, in a kind of a rural area. Uh, no neighbor. It, it references a couple of times that the, the nearest neighbors are like a mile away or about a mile away. Um, or I'm going to go to this, this neighbor's house and it's a couple of miles up the road. Um, so it is pretty isolated. Uh, so they go to the beach and everything is still normal as far as we know. Um, and well, hold on. Let, let's. Uh, okay. I do. I do want to back that up before they get to the beach. There's a couple of things that, you know, w they went to go. Turn on the, or uh, uh, no, it was the the Wi-Fi. Um, and she did mention something about a very secure form of Wi-Fi. Right. But I think they didn't have access to to the Wi-Fi. They were because what's the, the daughter was trying to watch the show mm -hmm. and she could not connect to the Internet. But I, okay. but they were watching they were watching a, 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 a game. Before the beach. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so the TV was working. Yes. But the internet, I don't believe so. But go ahead. So then, so then they do decide to go to the beach. Yeah. So, so and one of the first things that happens this this isn't really a spoiler. But like I said, this is probably in the first fifteen minutes of the movie. Um, they go to the beach and they're, they're doing what people do at the beach. They're kind of checked out. They're reading books. They're looking at their phone. They're playing in the water. Whatever. Um, the daughter notices a a big massive like cargo tanker ship like not not a small ship not a fishing boat not you know and it's it seems to be getting closer and closer and closer and she says something about it and she brings it to the parents attention and th this is this this is one of the first things that goes into what i'm talking about of a normal person's reaction um they they just they're like ah I'm sure it's going to stop. I'm sure it's going to be fine. I'm sure right. it, it's it's that thing where people go so far out of their way to ignore their good sense. And it, this is something I've talked about many times in many different contexts. If you're walking down the street and you see a suspicious person, something in the back of your mind is telling you you need to cross the street and you need to get away from this person. But then you like talk yourself out of it and go, oh, well. I don't want that guy to think I'm a racist. So I, 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 I'm just going to, you, 
you continue to put yourself in danger because you don't you think you're going to look silly or you think you're going to look wrong or you think I don't know what these people were thinking, but yes, this ship is getting closer and closer and closer and closer and ends up running aground, like literally like feet in front of them. And this right. is a massive, massive, massive uh, cargo ship that's on par with the size of an aircraft carrier. Um, but the, their first reaction was, ah, uh, no, I'm sure it's going to be fine. I'm sure it's going to stop. Oh, they're going to, it's, you know. Well, and, and just when, to kind of set that tone, like when they were first looking at it, it was heading straight towards them was not running, you know, parallel right. to the beach. It was nose for the beach and it might've been, you know, five, six, 700 yards out. And then some time goes by and, you know, now it's like 200 yards out and, you know, then they look again and it is, I don't know, a hundred yards out or, or less, but it's closing. And, in that, to me, that whole thing is, okay, 500 yards out, whatever. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll notice it. But then as it's moving closer, again, there's no kind of alarm that goes off. There's nothing that triggers in the father like or the mother who seems to be a little bit more dialed in on things. <laughs> you know, she's like, meh. You know, and then it's not until it's... 20 feet from the shore that they're like, okay, let's go. So going back to what we have talked about so many times, if you're waiting until it's too late, that's, I mean, you know, then it's too late. It's too late. Right. When, when, it, well, when one the, of the sand things... starts coming up, you know, like it's too late. One of the things that I hate most in life, um, this is just one of my general life pet peeves, is when somebody says, I knew that was going to happen. If you knew that was going to happen, then why didn't you do something about it? Um, my daughter and I decorated our Christmas tree the other day, and, and one of the ornaments we hung on the tree, we kind of hung it kind of low. And my dog is a blue healer, you know, Australian cattle dog. And she wags her tail a lot, and she knocked the ornament off the tree and broke the ornament. And then my daughter was like, ah, I knew that was going to happen. Well, then if that's true, and if you foresaw this in some way and, and you saw this through your mind's eye, this situation unfolding, then why didn't you do something about it? Why did you wait until it got to the point where the dog's tail broke the ornament? And now, ah, I knew that was going to happen, you know? And so when you see a big, massive group three, uh, super tanker, headed directly for you like maybe you want to do something about it before it gets to the right i knew that was going to happen yeah. yeah so they so they got to that point of i know when it's going to happen and then they all on the beach decide to run and scream in you know a less than orderly fashion okay yeah and then yeah you know everyone is leaving the beach in single file and they're being escorted out there by the by the authorities. Um, a question gets raised, and I noticed this. They ask a question to the authorities, and they're like, "Well, oh, I don't know. Just keep it moving. Keep it moving." It was, I mean, okay, like no information being given. I know that we've talked about that in the past. When when yep. you start, when the lack of information starts being evident you should start to question more. Yeah. When you're, 
when what you're not being told is starting to paint a more vivid picture than what you are being told, I mean, that's, that, that's again, that's, that's another sign that you need to start taking preemptive action or start thinking about taking preemptive action um, bef- before it gets to that point where it's too late. And once it's too late, now it's too late. Right. Okay. So the, the next thing I jump to, so so some more things happen. They and and again, I don't even think this is unrealistic. They just go back to their house and they were like, ah, well, that was weird. Ah, well, we'll just we're gonna just go back to our vacation. Uh, and it doesn't really seem to bother them that often. They they kind of have the mentality that that's somebody else's problem. We didn't get hurt. We didn't get killed. So everything's fine. And they just they go back to burying their heads in the sand, and I think that's probably a fairly authentic reaction. Um, the next thing I skipped to was it's the middle of the night, and there's a unexpected knock at the door because they are in a vacation house. Um, they're obviously not expecting guests, and they are in a remote area. Now, uh, and just let me: do we know if the TV was out by then? The I don't believe we know that yet because the kids had gone to bed. The adults were still up. They were just kind of listening to music and having drinks. So, um, okay, I, I I don't think we know yet that the the TV and stuff has gone out because okay. they weren't using it anyway. Yep. All right. So, unexpected knock at the door. This is something that happens for many different reasons to people every day. You get an unexpected knock at the door. Um, I this is something that when I was actually when I was at home for Christmas a couple of years ago, I took the time to call a timeout and and actually like give a little mini class to my mom on how not to answer the door and in this movie they answer the door uh, sorry if i sound like a broken record they open the door i think like most people do that don't know any better that kind of the underlying theme here is is so many people i think go through life just thinking nothing is ever going to happen right. nothing bad is ever going to happen so, so I'm, i don't I'm, yeah so let but let me put you on pause i want to set a couple of of details okay. in there that i think are important at first they're hanging around drinking she hears a noise he says no i didn't hear it so she is a little bit more dialed in and aware of what's going on than he is. Then the noise happens again, and it's a knock on the door, and her first thing is, get a bat. Right. His (laughs) is like, I don't have a weapon. I don't have a bat. I'm not prepared. I mean, nothing, right? So, I mean... He grabs a statue from the table, but it, so it's so, like a decorative tree limb. Exactly, thing. exactly. Yeah. So my first thing was, they're both drinking, they're both playing cards or whatever. She is she is dialed in and she is aware. Here's a noise. Maybe his head goes back in the sand. Right, she's on a little bit of an alert because of one thing she saw today. So. You know what I mean? Like she noticed something wasn't right with that. Now all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. Okay, get a weapon. I don't have a weapon. Okay. Like what are we doing here? Now, did they pick New York City because of a 
lack of firearms in the air? I don't know. But anyway, so th- those are the those are two details I just wanted to bring up. Okay, go ahead. So knock no, at the and, door. And that's so my notes. If I read my little shorthand notes verbatim here, my notes say <laughs> knock at door, no weapon. Um, <laughs> this is this is a a good time like you just brought up to the importance of of an EDC. When I go, if I go on a vacation where I have to travel on an airplane, there is a chance that I that I'm not going to have a firearm or anything with me. But anywhere I go where I'm going by car, I I have more than one weapon with me. Not not just one. I always have more than one. Okay, so just, um, just hold on. Just to uh, I want to elaborate on that, folks. If you are in a a state, uh, let's just say if you're in Florida and you have a carry permit, your permit is good for multiple states. I think thirty six. It is the most. Uh, Florida permit has the most reciprocity. Uh, I think the, the the next one is the Utah permit permit, uh, and I know that you there there are states that are not Utah that are allowed to give the class for Utah for you to then mail in and get your Utah permit. Look this up; it will give you a lot of states. A lot of states have reciprocity with Utah. And you can get a non-resident Utah permit. You can get a non-resident Florida non-resident Florida permit. So understand where your permit is good for, and that will help you make the decision on whether you can be armed while you are on vacation. And as I think you were just saying, if even if you don't are not armed with a firearm, you might be able to be armed with something else. So yeah. So, and like my pocket knife, obviously I can't take it on an airplane. I said, when I'm traveling by plane to somewhere, uh, there, there is a chance that I don't carry a firearm with me, but as far as I know, I can always put my pocket knife in my checked baggage. I can't have it on the airplane, but I right. can still have it with me on the trip as well as like everything else. That's part of my EDC. That's not a firearm. So now he goes to answer the door and most people again, sorry, again, for sounding like a broken record, but most people, most of the time, when there's a knock at the door, they make one of three, if not a combination of all three common mistakes. Uh, common mistake number one is what this guy does. He just opens the door wide open, opens the door fully, fully open door, and he's just standing there. If that is somebody that means to do you harm, they're just going to rush you. They're going to come right in, and and now they've got you. Common mistake number two that you also shouldn't do, um, They you just crack the door. So the door is unlocked and now open, but you open it just a crack and you peek through it. If if I want to force my way into your house, this is what I hope you do. Because as soon as you crack that door and you peek through the crack at me, I'm going to kick that door like this is Sparta. <laughs> and the door is going to hit you right here. Right. And then I'm going to rush in and you're going to already be capacitated. Oh, sorry, you're already going to be incapacitated and probably bleeding. And, and then... Again, I'm going to have you. And then the other thing that's that's kind of a, a variation of that is people put way too much trust in those stupid little chain locks. Right. Uh, th- those chain locks will stop nothing. A, a, a probably, if you probably put it to the test, an eight or nine year old kid can can bust through that little chain lock. And then the little the little latch over ones that are on a hotel room door, those are are basically the same. You you can get versions of those that do work, but 
probably the the normal one they sell at Home Depot does not, and you have to get the ones that are like actually made out of re or hardened steel, and they have like three inch long screws that you screw into your studs and all that kind of stuff. Um, but even still, I wouldn't trust them. So, just to point out the correct, most correct thing to do if you get an unexpected knock at the door is just communicate with the person on the other side of the door through the door. Don't don't open it, don't unlock it, don't crack it, don't use the little chain. Don't do, leave the door securely locked and fully closed and communicate through the door. If it's a person that says that they're a delivery man, say, "Yeah, you can just leave it. Just leave the package." Right. And wait for them to walk away or or watch them get in their vehicle and go away. Make sure they're not just hiding off to the side. If they say it needs a signature, uh, you know, ask ask for a little more information before you you open the door. Um but if you are, go ahead. Well, there's another option too. I mean, you can communicate through the door. If the door has windows or if the door is surrounded by windows or there is a window next to it, you can visually verify what's happening yep. outside as well. Peek through the door. I mean, if there is a keyhole or one of the, one of, whatever those are called, but like, like in the hotel room where there's the, the peephole, you can use those. I mean, obviously it depends on where you're at. In this situation, they were at a vacation home, but I didn't check to see if there were windows on both sides. And, yeah, and so and, and a common tactic is, oh, uh, so hey, uh, yeah, UPS, uh, need you to open the door. I got this package for you. Yeah, you can leave it. Oh, it needs a signature. And they might say, what is your name? And you go, my name's Chris. And go, yep, this package is for Chris. I need yeah. your signature. Right. You need to ask them who the package is addressed to and have them give you the correct answer, uh, like, all, you know, all these kind of things. And also, I always, this is where I gave my mom the little mini class, always stand to the side of the door. Don't stand straight behind the door, again, because unless you have, like I have, specifically reinforced my door where it cannot be kicked in, um, most residential doors can very easily be kicked in. Right. Um, so always stand off to the side of the door. Don't ever crack the door. Don't open the door. You know, speak through the door if you need to. Anyway, this guy goes and just opens the door wide open. Right. Uh, with no weapon and really no plan. Um, and then he finds uh, a man who says that he's the owner of the house. And he does have a little bit of verifiable information that he offers. Uh, my name is this and, and I'm the person that I we corresponded through email. Uh my name is GH, but he says uh, in the email, I signed my email as George, well, whatever. Yeah. So he, he keeps saying his name. Uh, and, and, and just to set it a little bit more, he is very well dressed. I mean, dressed in a tuxedo. Uh, and the, the, the person with them is dressed in a, in a dress. He keeps saying his last name and GH. And the, the wife is just blank stare not really picking up on it. The, the person with the guy says, no, you sign your name. You, you sign your emails with just your name. And so, it, it, you know, right there, it's just like, mm, okay, awkward. So, yeah, it is a little awkward. He, he, and just, he says he's the owner of the house. He says that there is a blackout in the city. Um, so they were not able to get to, to their home. And so they decided with a blackout and the potential of there being chaos in the city, they thought it was the smarter thing to do to come to this house that, that they are the owners of and see if they could stay for the night. And 
I'm not going to go much more into the details of what he says, but like you said, he's dressed very nice. He speaks very well. Uh, he, they do. They came up in a very nice car. They're not aggressive at all. They're saying all the right things. And so, like, obviously, when you're watching the movie, you might be telling yourself, like, oh, I wouldn't trust him or I don't believe him. But that kind of led me to question, like, what if I was somewhere and really legitimately did need help and I am really telling you the truth of this is my situation. This is why I showed up at your door in the middle of the night. Uh, it makes me it, that little scene made me wonder, like, how would I come across to sure. a stranger that that I showed up? And, and so and just to kind of I'm going to take a, a couple of steps forward again mm -hmm. when they they. The guy says, can we come in? And the husband immediately says, sure, come on in. And they walk into the house and they sit there having a conversation. And I don't know, I don't know when the, the I don't know if the wife and the husband talk after or before or, or whatnot. But at some point, again, the wife is the one who knows she's like, I, I didn't hear their car roll up. And in the scene, when he opens the door, they're standing there. And the only vehicle that is seen is the family's vehicle. Yeah. So again, no vehicle. But what happens when they go inside is when things get obviously a little bit more kind of like, wait, what? So. Well, so. Go ahead. Yeah. And there, there, there's a lot of things that are. Maybe they're true, but it's it's things that would raise a little bit of a red flag in my head. Like they're like, oh, well, and in in my notes here, I wrote down her far too aggressive, him far too trusting. So there is a middle ground. She the wife. The, Julia Roberts's character, um, Ethan Hawke's wife, uh, she to me is being like way too aggressive, like she she's. She doesn't believe anything they're saying. She she like she doesn't trust them at all. She and she, the good thing she does do is ask them for ID, which he convenient. Oh, it's I left my wallet in my coat. I left my coat at the coat check. I don't have it. Right, but does she do that at the right time? No, no, not at all. Now, no. a couple other things to point out about her, which I think sets the sets her tone beautifully, is in the opening scene. After she is sitting here talking about she's staring out the window and it's all the it's this great moment. And then it yep. like focus. It's like a close up and she turns to it and and everything beautiful that she just said gets wiped out with. But then I realized I fucking hate people. <laughs> and it, I mean, and it, it's a it, you don't realize that it sets the tone going forward. Now, the other thing that we completely uh, glossed over, and I think it was before the beach, is when she goes to the market. Yeah. When she goes to the market, she she's loading groceries in her SUV, and she looks over, and there is a grizzly-looking dude loading cases of water. Uh, he's got a bunch of things i think there was maybe some like buckets of food canned goods mm -hmm. he's loading canned a bunch food, of stuff yeah. in his truck in in his truck they exchange a glance he kind of just was like mm, whatever and then 
that scene is kind of over, except the fact that it's Kevin Bacon and you're like, well, you know, he's not just going to be a a throwaway cameo. Um, (laughs) So again, going forward, opens the door, lets them in, they get back inside and then, and then here we are. Uh, And I think this is when they identify that there's no internet at some point. It was a blue screen, remember? Because the husband yeah. says at one point, he says, well, it's snow this morning, but last night it was a blue screen. Yeah, well, so we're, we're this scene is actually a really important scene, so we're kind of going a little yeah, bit yeah. back and forth on it. Um, so going back to her being like way too, in my opinion, overly aggressive and the, the husband being way, way too just trusting and agreeable, um, there's a couple of other things that happen in this scene that you need to think about. Um, number one, like I said, it, it led me to ponder. If I was on the up and up and I really did need help and I really was in an area where I didn't know anybody and my only option, I didn't have a phone and I didn't have and I was out of gas and whatever, whatever, that I, I'm left with the only option of going to knock on a stranger's door. How am I going to come across? How am I going to appear? How am I going to try to earn their trust? Because I legitimately do need help. And so the thing is, yes, there are people out there that mean to do you harm and you need to take cautions and protections against that. But there are people out there that sometimes do need help and that might just show up at your door and legitimately do need help. Um, So like, you know, I've had people not show up at my door, but I've had strangers approach me out in public and say, hey, uh, my phone battery's dead. I've got this and that going on. Can I use your phone? Yeah. Um, so, like I'll ask them, what number do you need to dial? And I'll dial the number and put it on speakerphone. And, and but I'm not going to hand somebody my phone. So there, right. there are little barriers that you can put in place. But one of the things, like you said, the husband who is far too trusting just lets them in. Right. And there's two of them. Right. And uh, they say that they are a father and daughter, but when you let somebody inside you you have now removed all barriers of safety and you have let these people inside uh that's a huge gamble um and then especially when there's two of them uh then they come inside and they leave the two people alone the two strangers that have just shown up at their door in the middle of the night they leave them alone and they go to a separate part of the house to talk okay if these two people mean you harm you have just left them every opening in the world to get the drop on you to to do what you know to yeah. to plan plot scheme like they're they're not even where you can see them they're right. not where you can hear them you have completely left these two strangers alone while you have gone to another part of the house while your children are upstairs asleep like you have completely left yourself basically open to attack at this point okay and so i, I as you were talking about this you know and you just said if you were out there and you were trying to get help and you were going to do this, I mean, there's a whole nother way to look at this. And and that is, okay, let's say that is the situation and you are the one that needs help and you go knock on a total random door, you need to really take into some into consideration what door are you knocking on? Like if you knock on the Pruitt's door in Texas and that's the home of Leatherface, like, okay, what did you just walk yourself into? Here's the other thing. If somebody isn't cautious and they just let you right in, 
is there a reason why they want you to just come in because now they have the upper hand? So yep. it goes both ways. Don't just think, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to randomly. And I guess I never even looked at it from that side until right now. Sure, they owned the house, and maybe that's why they were confident enough to say, okay, no problem, they opened the door, and now we can get in. But I think at this point, they have identified, and, and again, it is because, remember, they said they couldn't find any, they were able to find a little bit of information when they, because I think it was either on the radio or the phones, they talked about how there were a couple of these tankers going ashore. Yeah. So, so, right. So they, they have identified that there are multiple issues. And then at some point in between them hearing that to when these other people get there, they lose communication. Now, these people do come into the house. They do claim that they live there. They are asking to stay the night but it's unclear of what's happening. And then there is one thing that they kind of set up in the beginning is there's a liquor cabinet with a lot of high end liquor that is locked. This guy who claims to be the owner goes to said liquor case with keys in hand, goes to unlock it and they leave you to believe like, you're like, Oh, okay. And he fumbles a couple of different keys. Right. And then he says, yep. He, he, he makes a statement about that. But so they, they they do a good job. I will say that this was a very well done movie. I'm going to go say very that. Very well crafted. Very yeah. well crafted. So they said, so they immediately let you think, okay, I can take my guard down because he's got the keys. But then they're like, eh, well, maybe not. Again, opens a drawer, finally opens a drawer. There's a very important scene right here. Very important piece of note to note. Ends up taking the envelope out with cash in it. Again, my mindset the whole time was, yeah, he definitely does not. At this point, I'm like, he definitely does not own this house. He's got the keys from the owner that he locked in a basement somewhere, right? So, you know, again, very well done. But anyway, and at this point. Well, and so then. Well, yeah, at this point, the husband and wife decide to leave. They the go room. to the other room. Yeah. Leave these people to their devices that we, we haven't firmly established whether they belong or not, whether they are good or bad, whether they're honest or evil. And, and while they're in the complete other room, out of sight, out of earshot, out of, out of everything, they come back in and th- the man that has appeared at the door goes, Hey, I made you this drink. And the husband just goes, wow, what a thoughtful thing to do. Gulp, 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 gulp. Exactly. You made this drink while I was in the other room. Right. I shall drink all of it. Yeah. <laughs> don't just don't do that. Right. Uh, right. Don't even do that at a bar. Like when, if you go to a bar that's in like a sketchy part of town and, and you ask a bartender to make you a drink, watch him do it. Like, but certainly not a stranger that came into your house in the middle of the night that made you a drink while you're in the other room. Don't drink it. Yeah. And, and, but here's the other thing. Okay. I, I don't want this to come across as the sky is falling type thing. And just, just based off of what you said right there, people have been going to bars since the beginning of time. Well, you know, since whatever, and, and having drinks made for them. Um, and there have been situations where things have been put in those drinks. Use your brain, be careful about it. I mean, you know, 
and just think about that. Um, so, you know, there, there's yeah, like there's things if you're you a, can do. If you're a single lady, like when you if somebody comes up and taps you on the shoulder, just put your hand over your drink. At, you know, when you turn around to to speak to this person, because right. you know, person taps you on the shoulder on this side, guy on this side is putting something in your drink. There's, but anyway, the, right there. Yeah. Again, I, that's it's these types of things that I wrote down that are actually fairly common in life that these common mistakes that people do. So right. now they're trying, they're still trying to vet this guy's story as much as they can because they want to trust him. So now is when they try to turn the TV on to try to check. Well, if there's a blackout in New York City, surely it's on the news. So they go to um, turn on the TV and they find out that it is emergency broadcast system and it says that all broadcasting on all channels has been taken off right and stay tuned for more information and they flip to every channel and every single channel is emergency broadcast system and all broadcasting has been halted they try their phone they try to connect to the internet again they try like every they they've got nothing so chris and i did a whole long that may have been one of our first two parters i can't remember but we've done a whole episode about it's important to have an emergency plan but it's also important to pre-identify triggers right to put your to know when it's time to put your emergency plan into action right and I, i've told the story I'll, I'll just recap very quickly i was at work one day and i just happened to look at my phone and i noticed that um they had halted all trading on Wall Street. They had grounded every commercial airline flight. And like, I was like, I'm going home. Right. And to me, like, those are two very big triggers that something big is happening on a national level and they want to stop people from moving and they want to stop money from moving. So I'm going home. And guess what? Nothing happened. It ended right. up being some kind of computer glitch that impacted you know, the FAA and the uh, F FTC, Federal Trade Commission. Uh, and oh. and so they, they they just, as far as we know, nothing happened. And and guess what? I was wrong. Fine. I went back to work the next day. No harm, no foul. Uh, I, I would rather do that a hundred times and eventually, you know, and, and err on the side of caution than I, to ignore those kinds of things. But the, at this point, for me, in oh, these people's situation, hold on, though, triggers let, are going off. Right. Let, let me jump in there. Um, this is the part of the lesson where you pull out the highlighter and you highlight the thing that the, that the professor just said, right? What the situation that you, that triggered your plan to start was a computer glitch. There's some foreshadowing in that right there. I mean, this... We are, we are a society that is connected right now. And the connection that we all have is it's your phone, it's your internet. And that's how you find things out, right? I was thinking about that this morning as we were going to be rolling into this. Once that goes, I think that's one of the main triggers that you said. It was internet. Right. So you were still able to find out information that they halted yep. the trading and that if they if if it comes, it's going to come in the form of the Internet going down first. 
you can mark that like stone, mark that in stone, that etch that in stone. If this goes sideways, the internet will be the first thing. And that, that requires you to step outside of your own, I don't know, for lack of a better term, narcissism or selfishness or whatever, where if they've grounded all like domestic airline flights, you know, the the selfish person is going to go, ah, oh, crap, now I'm going to miss my plane. And what am I going to do? But you need to step back and go, what is the bigger implication there? And it's like I said, it's not that they're canceling Jamie Franks's flight and they're trying to inconvenience me and mess up my vacation. They're trying to stop people from moving. Right. If they turn off the phone and the Internet, they're trying to stop people from communicating. Whoever you think they is. Right. They they don't want you to be able to communicate. They don't want you to be able to move. They don't want you to be able to transfer money or transfer stocks. So when things like this happen, you kind of need to step back from yourself and ask, yes, I'm inconvenienced, but what's the overall goal of, of this thing that just happened? And so to me, that day I, I didn't throw on my backpack and, and head for the mountains but I was ready to if a couple of more things continued along that direction. So right. for these people, they should have been a they they sh to me at this point you you need to start putting some sort of of plan into action. You need to start uh, um, identifying you know what supplies you have, what what do you have, what holes do you have? Are we going to go? Are we going to stay? And and then to me. I wrote down that they kind of are now in a forced bug in situation. So again, this is an episode, a previous episode of this very podcast where we have talked about bugging in versus bugging out. What would cause you to choose one over the other? And, and what are the circumstances that, you know, that surround that to me, this is a forced bug in situation. Uh, and they don't necessarily have all the supplies and things that they need, but they just happen to luck out and they are in a good location so like <laughs> this is the kind of location where if somebody was going to bug out this is where they would bug out to these people had the fortunate uh, circumstance to just completely by chance be in a good bug out location so they're now in my mind if i was in this situation now i'm the decision has been made for me i'm now going to bug in but this isn't my house so now i'm going to start start to take stock of, of what i have available okay Got it. So, and then, so the next thing that they do that I have here on my notes that I think it, again, is probably pretty authentic. We all just go to bed. Let's just go to bed in the morning. Like I I, I said to you about uh, Shaun of the Dead, like, ah, we're just going to go to the Winchester right. and have a couple of pints and let this whole thing blow over. We're just all going to go to bed. Right. But, and what does the husband say? Oh, things look different in the light of day or something, something to that effect. So absolutely no thought. Even the wife that's super that seems to be super on guard and super distrustful and 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 hesitant to trust these people that are now going to sleep in your house overnight downstairs. There's no talk of you go to sleep and I'll stand guard. Uh let's put a surveillance plan into action. Let's you know, like Let's While they're go. in the bathroom, I'm, I'm going to turn my iPhone on record, right? And and accidentally leave it in their room. Let's get the and see what they discuss. Let's get the kids into our room, right? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. We're just we're all just going to go to sleep and close our eyes and and have no guard, 
no surveillance, uh, you know, and, and, and again, at this point, these people's identity is still not certain. Number one, and even going back to the, the point that I was trying to make, okay, the guy, the owner of the house, you know, he knew that it was there, his house, so he was okay coming into it. But again, he really didn't know the people that he Airbnb to. So go back to my scenario. Okay, great. I Airbnb my place to somebody. I have to go back there and stay there. But I don't know if it's Jeffrey Dahmer's cousin. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so uh, you're, you're right. There was no, I'm going to stand watch while the rest of the people sleep. So like you said, bring, bring the kids into our room. We're going right. to sleep in shifts. I'm going to keep watching. And, and also like, let's just say that it's Mr. And Mrs. Rogers that showed up at your door. You still need to keep watch for what's going on outside the house. If yeah. all these things are true. And especially if I flip on the TV and every single channel is the emergency broadcast system where they're telling me that all radio and television broadcasts have been silenced. Yeah. Like, you know, might, might want to keep watching. Anyway. Right. Exactly. So then the the next thing is it is the morning, uh, the next morning, and they're still trying to pretend like there's all kinds of writing all over the walls, and they're still just trying to pretend that everything is fine. Like maybe in the six or seven hours that we were asleep, maybe everything is fine now. Um, and so the they let the kids go out and play. They let the kids go out and I, wander in the woods. Go ahead. Yep, but... The, the the final scene as they go to bed is the emergency broadcast system screen turns to the map of the United States and there is a voiceover and they do explain what's happening. And then it goes completely, then you no longer have anything. And I think the next yep. day they wake up to snow, as they say, the, the the fuzz on the TV. But go ahead. They yep, they they go on, they go lay out by the pool. Yep. As if nothing is going on. Um they the there's a scene, it's kinda of, I don't know, it's kind of a weird scene where the the son and the daughter, the daughter is probably 13. I would say she's probably you think the daughter's thirteen? No, they do. They say she's thirteen in that scene. Oh. In that scene, you're about to talk about when they're by the pool. They're uh, the, the 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 tablet is there with the Friends episode paused, and the the daughter um, of the guy says, "Is your daughter watch that?" And she says, "Yes." And she says, "How old is your daughter?" And she says, "She's thirteen. But she says something about she's young at heart or something. But yeah. Oh she yeah, does. good on you. I did not catch that. I. I I asked, I figured she was like ten, no. is what I was gonna say, and the and the son was probably thirteen or fourteen, but uh, no, yeah, she's thirteen, and I believe okay. the son is a little bit older. But they they let the kids wander off, and the, the kids find a whole bunch of stuff. There's some weird encounters with animals. Um, no, but it, yeah, he so I, so she sees the animals first. Right. But yeah, in the morning from the house. Yeah, from the house. She's standing out there. And that's a good, I guess that's something. All of a sudden, there's just probably a hundred deer there. Yeah. They don't really go into that. Then a little bit later, they're, yeah, they're playing in the pool. And then they go, she wants to go try to find the deer. And she brings the brother with her. Um, and then they explore 
and they come across this little cabin. Yeah, and and again, like I'm not going to go too deep into anything, but uh, the the animals, the animal encounters that they have, the 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 fact that the kids are just allowed to like wander off, right. um, the fact that they're still acting like nothing is happening. It's kind of at this point in the movie where all the people are going in kind of different directions because because again, they are still just trying to pretend like nothing's happening and everything's going to be fine and so the kids are going off and playing and the the husband's going to go out and find a newspaper or something which i was going to talk about next right uh, and then the other and, husband and yep is going to go like try to go make contact with the neighbors right. and and so everybody's kind of going off in their own direction but like the and and they all find different things that are that are important to the plot and the point there is each of them discovers different things. And, and I've actually, this is very realistic because I've ran into this in the military more times than I can count. And it's very frustrating is different people get little different pieces of information that on their own may be significant or maybe not. Or maybe you can, again, you can talk yourself out of it and be like, ah, well, that, that was probably not, that was weird, but it's probably nothing. But if they there was absolutely no sharing of information between the people is where I'm going and where if this person saw this and this person saw that and this person found this thing and this person heard this thing and this person and if we share that information all these possibly right. seeming insignificant little things we can start to put these things together and build a puzzle that makes a picture right so so just to kind of elaborate on that so the the owner of the house goes to the neighbor's house and um what he what he finds and what he witnesses with it, and if you if you put that like we're going to we're baking a cake here right and the cake the 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 end cake is get the fuck out uh <laughs> so he's got ingredient 1 so what he finds did what just happened did you see that <laughs> i did see that did did Maybe the phrase you just said is is uh, some little code word <laughs> that, that was triggers wild. Uh, <laughs> what the hell is go Oh my god! This is with what we're talking about. Oh my god! That was wild. For those of you that are listening and you can't hear that, whatever I just said caused fireworks, fireworks. to Literally. go off on the the podcast here my hands are in front of me i do not have an editor or producer nobody is touching this but apparently maybe if i use the word get the out it would do it again but no it did not anyway so yeah. what one what one person <laughs> finds is is ingredient 1 what ethan hawk's character witnesses is ingredient 2 and then they all experience the same aud uh, auditory situation. That right there is the final ingredient with, by the way, the little other spices that are thrown in are the lack of ability to communicate because now nobody's cell phone is working. The internet is down. They have no TV access. And then um, owner of the house ingredient Ethan Hawke ingredient, and then the auditory thing. All of that combined should bake a big giant cake of it is time to put plan in place, go bug in, bug out, whatever that case may be, right? I mean, 
yeah, we, we need to start doing something and we need to start getting organized and we need to stop pretending that everything's just going to be fine. So, yeah, at this point, had they shared information, like you just said, you could bake a pretty good cake out of that that's going to start to look like something. And, you know, right. when The Walking Dead first started, um, like the first couple of seasons of The Walking Dead, like I was The Walking Dead super fan number one, and my favorite character was always Shane. And I even said this back then, and it's the reason I loved Shane so much was because in the first couple of seasons, he was the only character that fully realized and understood that normal life is over. Right. We are not coming back. Right. This is like everybody else was trying to get back to normal. Shane was the only one that em fully embraced the correct assumption right. that the world as we know it is over. This is the deal now. And th these are the, the new rules that we have to play by. And so that that's why I always like Shane. But that like these people are still in that mindset where if we just wait 15 more minutes everything's going to be fine. And then 15 minutes goes by. And well, if we just wait 15 more minutes, everything's going to be fine. Like at this point, we need to start doing something. Right. So the, the, and so just to kind of, and then we'll carry on. If you have created a, a survival plan and, you know, we're not saying trigger one happens, you head to the Hills. But if you have enough of those pieces that are lining up, it's safe to it's it could be safe to assume that the rest are going to fall into place. You know, so maybe the initial thing on the beach wasn't enough. But if they paid attention to what was happening around them, right? Not worrying about the other things, but if they paid attention to, okay, there's reports of multiple tankers beaching themselves, if you will. Right. And then yeah. there's, there's other things happening. I don't know if they would have improved their situation because, you know, they, who knows how, how far advanced it had already gotten, but, at this point, they have all the information that they need. Yeah, they, they. I mean, they still don't know what's happening. But I think your point is they, they, they have enough red flags to know that like this is something serious that we cannot continue to ignore. Yeah. Right. Um. So, you mentioned that the, the the gentleman that showed up in the middle of the night that claims he's the the homeowner. Um, he decides to go to the neighbor. Uh, I'm okay with that because we we don't have communication, but we do need to create little touch points in a situation like this. So sure. if I'm going to go to the neighbor and try to touch base with the neighbor, that should look like I'm going to go to the neighbor. I'll be back in 30 minutes. If I'm not back in 30 minutes, you know, come look for me, you know, trigger plan B, whatever it is, but it needs to be, I'm going to go to the neighbors and I will be back and I'm going to come back in 30 minutes. And if you're the person that's going, you do need to come back in 30 minutes and go, Hey, this is what I found. I'm going to go back and then I'll be back again in 30 minutes or, or, Hey, I found Steve, Steve and Betty are fine. Right. We're, you know, whatever. Uh, but you do need to create little touch points. But, uh, Ethan Hawke's character is just like, yeah, I'm going to go into town. I'm going to ask around. I'm going to buy a newspaper. I'm going to see what everybody else is saying with absolutely no plan at all 
right. way too far out of communication. He took their car. Right. So now he's removed uh, part of their their transportation ability from the rest of the group. That that's just not a, a not having a plan is a bad plan. Um, there there needs to be a very specific. I'm going to go to this place. It's going to take me this long. I'm going to look for A, B, and C, and then I'm going to come back. But in a situation like this, it's not a good idea. Number one, it's it's probably not a good idea to go towards. A, a town or a city. If I'm, if I'm, if I was fortunate enough to be outside of of the city or or town already, I'm probably going to stay that way. I may do kind of what they do in in my favorite movie of all time, Red Dawn, is kind of scout up to the the outskirts and sniff around, see how it looks, see how it smells, and, and then then make another decision. But make a series of small decisions, and with a series of checkpoints or touch points built in. Um, don't don't just you know him him just being like ah, I'm gonna go to town and see what I find that's that's not a good right. plan uh, right. I'll just leave that there but then on the road I kind of wanted to get your opinion on this he encounters a stranger on the road she is by herself she is very much uh, in a panic she's very afraid of something and she doesn't speak English and he doesn't speak Spanish and she wants to get into the vehicle. She's, she's obviously, even if you don't speak the same language, she's obviously begging for help. She wants to get into the vehicle there. There's so, well, so, that's an interesting situation. And I wondered what you would do in that situation. Right. So, so first, the first thing I noticed is, um, and again, this was after the, the one animal situation. The other thing I noticed as he's just driving down the road, there was a random horse, outside of the fenced area on the side of the road, just grazing. So that was the first thing that I kind of noticed. Um, the second was obviously the, the, the female who was just on the side of the road. There was no vehicle. Right. Uh, I don't know if she was There's trying. No context. Right. No context at all. I don't know if she was trying to get in the vehicle because at one point he did roll down the window all the way where Anybody could reach in, open that door, and then you are vulnerable. But he 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 rolls the window down all the way to have a full-on conversation with a frantic lady who is speaking nothing but Spanish. He does not understand her, and he he does not know how to communicate. I will say that I was very, very happy that he didn't just, you know, open the door for her, throw the car in park, and just follow her. Um but, you know, what would I do? Would I stop? Well, I mean, sure, stop, not roll the window down all the way. Um, you know, she he was obviously, he was on the driver's side. She was on the passenger side. There was no kind of advancement from her, um, which obviously leads me to believe that she was just panicked and, and just scared. Didn't really fit in that area based off of everything I knew at that point, I was like, Oh, uh, you racist. No, not really. Just kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, kidding, of, you know, again, it just didn't really seem to fit. Um, so that's kind of my take on it before we continue on. Um, I'm wondering if we turn this into a part two, and that's that's your call. I have I have th 
three more things in my notes. Sure. And okay. Then let's, yeah, let's, your... let's just keep going. And, and yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, so that, that was my takeaway on that. Um, obviously there was no continued, um, interaction at one point. I mean, they just, he rolled up the window, buried his head back in the sand and moved on with his failed attempt at a plan. And by the way, this was, I believe, yeah, this, so he, he, he's driving in one direction, passes the horse, stops because he doesn't know where he is, can't get any, any connectivity to GPS, turns around and goes the other way. So back the direction he was coming, and that's when he encounters the, the individual on the side of the road. Rolls yep. up the window and then continues on to the next trigger that happens. Well, it's yeah, it's the next little breadcrumb that's that's uh right that, that you're given. But uh the the lady on the road, I think I think this is one of the few good calls that this guy made. Um what would I do? I would stop. Um once it was made clear that we don't speak the same language. Um uh, uh, she's obviously frantic. Uh, it, it's kind of unclear. I guess you, you make a fair point. It kind of was unclear. Does she want inside the car or does she want him to get outside the car to help her with something? But it's not like there's not, there's not a crashed car beside the road. There, there's not another person that she's with. There, there's no context. There's not like a house in the distance right. that she's pointing to. Like there's nothing. She's, she's in an isolated area by herself, uh, very frantically trying to get this guy to stop. She needs some sort of help, but right. she's unable to communicate exactly what kind of help she needs. Um, in that situation, would I stop? Yes, I would. I would attempt to create distance. Uh, like, to, like I'll stop and I'll hear what you have to say, but I need you to back up. Um, I, I would not roll down the window, would probably not let her into the car. And then, um, I wouldn't feel good about it, but I would uh, at, at this point, if I'm in this dude's place, I've got way too many problems of my own and exactly. way too many people that I'm already responsible for. I'm not going to let this lady lead me away from my car that somebody else could steal or let her get me out of my car. And there's a hijacker hiding in the ditch on the other side yeah. or, or, or let her draw me into some situation where, that, that I can't do anything about anyway. I, I do think it's, it, it's sad to say, but in that situation, um, I, I would have also elected to Move not on. get involved with that lady. Yeah. Now, what I will say, I'm going to do this because I will watch this movie again. If 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 you've gone this far and you and you are going to watch the movie afterwards, or if you are going to go back and watch it again, um, I would be curious to run a translator while she's speaking because what is uh, obviously oh yeah they do not show you any subtitles Man, that's a good idea they do not show you any subtitles okay so unless you unless you speak and and understand spanish fluently and if you're out there and you and you watch this and you can explain it great if not run a translate app on your phone whether it's the google i think apple now has one but run it during this scene and see if Maybe what she's saying. Maybe there's some kind of clue there. So I, I'm almost a little sheepish to admit this. When I was watching this scene, I thought to myself, that's what he should do 
if he had if the internet was working, the but internet, it wasn't. Right. Yeah. It did not occur to me at all for me to do it to the movie to find out what she was saying just for myself as the viewer. That's I I yeah. want to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Just like I said, I have three more notes uh, left. Uh, it's around this point in the movie that uh, they do get like a short broadcast and they find out that there has been some sort of uh, cyber attack via a hacker. Wait, we the viewer gets the broadcast. The viewer yeah. does. He's out of his car right. when it comes over the radio. But, uh, you know... I'm certainly not a cybersecurity expert. That's my, that's not where my expertise lies. Um, but it's just important to point out that, like, that seemed to be a Band-Aid or a stopgap or a, hey, everybody stay calm. It's just a cyber attack. Everything's going to be fine. But at this point, it's it has become clearly evident that even if this was a cyber attack, or, or at least if that's what part of this is, we, we have still gone way off the rails and th that is not a satisfactory explanation to what's going on so i again i just wanted to point out like in a situation like that you get a little piece of news like i, I would i mean i'm just gonna like don't trust it like that that's no, right you know yeah don't it, trust that's it. obvious to me that's pretty obvious misinformation or disinformation the, the, there's one other piece of information uh that i think we forgot to include here um, there is a scene between the father, G.H., and his daughter when they first get there where they're having a, their own conversation. And the dialogue back and forth eludes you to believe that he knows a little bit about what is happening. Um, so, so, so keep that in mind. Go ahead on with your with your next point because I want. Okay. Does, um, so, does your next point? Well, does your next point in, uh, evolve? Or, I'm sorry, involve his character, what he witnessed while Ethan Hawks was witnessing what he did. Yeah. So I, I wasn't going to go into specifics again. I I didn't okay. really want to go too deep into specific plot points, but yeah. So, um, it's like I said a couple minutes ago, at this point in the movie, everybody has kind of gone their own direction. One guy goes, says he's going to the neighbors. One guy says he's going to town. The kids go for a, a traipse out through the woods. The, the, the two, the, the wife and the daughter, the wife and the, the other man's daughter kind of stay back at the, at the house. And so everybody is finding different things. But anyway, the, the things that they all discover and all witness and everything, when they eventually do all make it back to the house, they finally, uh, finally start to decide to do a little bit of emergency prep. They start to, you know, fill up the bathtubs with water and all that kind of stuff. And then um, there's a, a big swimming pool there. Um, so I just wanted to, because this is a show where we share survival and prepper information. Um it's pretty widely agreed upon that uh, pool water cannot really be made safe for drinking, like uh, in scale. I mean, obviously, when you go swimming, you're going to get some water in your mouth and you probably swallow some of it and it's fine. Your body can process it. But if, if you actually try to use pool water as drinking water, uh, you, you can't. I mean, it is chlorinated. It's Well, pools are either uh, chlorine or salt, but they do also have other chemicals than that in them. It's not just chlorine and, and or just salt. There, there's other things that that go into pool treatment. Um, they can't be boiled out. They can't be filtered out with like a life straw or anything like that. Um, you can use that pool water. That's a great 
pool of water <laughs> to use for uh, like washing your clothes, washing your body, like things like that. Um, and and then so you can use the pool water for that stuff. So you're not using up your your fresh drinking water for those those types of tasks. But generally speaking, uh, pool water cannot be made safe to drink. So uh, in the movie. If anybody didn't know that piece of information, it's like, well, why bother filling up the bathtubs with water when they have a big swimming pool in the backyard? Oh, right. okay. And that is why you you cannot drink pool water right. and you can't make pool water safe for drinking. Uh, but all in all, they do start at this point to to make a little bit of emergency prep. But honestly, like in in my opinion, it's better late than never. But but they should have started doing that earlier. Um, and then it's also around this time that we find out that one of the characters does have a gun. And then, so that kind of led me back to earlier when he showed up at the door. Sorry, I just let that out. Who has the gun? Uh, but there's a gun in the car. So he elected not to bring that with him up to the door. Um, uh, you I mean think... in, the be in the beginning? Yeah. No, no, no. So, the... right. So remember when he unlocks the liquor cabinet and he opens the drawer, that's where the gun is. The gun is next to, yeah. So he I missed did, that. I thought it was in the car the whole time. No, he did not have the firearm in the beginning. So, so one that that point where I was talking about when he goes and he unlocks the keys or he unlocks the yeah. liquor cabinet because he has the key. The point that I was talking about, which is an important piece, is he opens the drawer and there is a firearm next to thick envelopes of cash, and he okay. reaches over the firearm to grab the cash. Um, well, that, yeah, that, uh, yeah. So that doesn't change the point I was going to make. I was just going to say, if you do have a firearm, if you are a responsible citizen that, that perhaps would find yourself in some situation like this or, or the situation where you have to go, like I was describing where you legitimately honestly need help and you have to go knock on somebody's door. Uh, I, I do think it's a good idea that if you have a gun, you keep that information to yourself for as long as possible, because I think, um, Again, for most people, most regular people, most of the time, uh, the presence of a firearm is immediately going to paint you as a villain, even if you have like the, the the most honorable intentions and you have a concealed carry permit and you are responsibly concealed carrying. I, I thought he left it in the car and I was going to say I wouldn't have done that. Uh, I would carry my weapon concealed and right. but I would definitely not make that known. I, I would I would. I would not let anybody know that I have a gun unless something devolved to the point where, where I needed to use the gun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, if you're concealed carrying or if you have a gun um, in a situation like that, I definitely, uh, I would have it on uh, me, but I definitely would keep it a secret. I think that's, that was a good move because nobody ever knew he had the gun. Anyway. Right now the, the takeaway there for me is, and, and you may be in a situation like this again, what we established here is they lived in the city and then this was a vacation home. Um, and so again, it's New York city gun free zone. I mean, you have to have an act of God to get a permit to carry in New York city. Uh, Long Island is, is obviously not that. So Nassau County, there's, the ability to, to own a firearm, but he had that second or he had that firearm in his house. What's what the takeaway for me was, is a situation happened when he was in the city and he decided to go from the city 
to Long Island and he did not have something to bring with him. So he did not have a firearm. Um, he had yeah. to go travel to someplace to get his firearm. Definitely do not recommend 10 out of 10. Do not carry, <laughs> do not keep your firearm that you may use to protect yourself and your loved ones in another location that you have to go get. I, I mean, I can tell you that when a friend of mine first got his firearm and they had kids in the house, he was going to keep the firearm at, in a safe at his, like at his father-in-law's and keep the ammo in his safe at his house. I'm like, what's the point? So, right. I, and I know that probably stemmed past your other points, but let's, no, let's no, keep it. That's, let's that's keep a it fantastic point. Uh, because I actually, I missed that little, uh, I, I missed that little part. I, I must've been looking away from the TV. Um, but yeah, if, if you do have a firearm and you are concealed carrying, it's a, it's a very good idea to keep that information to yourself. Don't be the guy that's announcing to everybody that you have a gun every 10 seconds and, and, and referencing your gun every 10 seconds. That's information that's best kept to yourself, especially in a situation like this. The last note that I have on my paper here is just kind of in general up to this point in this movie. Um, you said the, 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 of the, the, the main characters, two children, you also picked up on a point that I missed that the, the daughter is the younger of the two. She's 13. So the son is a little bit older than, than her. Uh, these kids don't know shit. Like these two kids are like several times throughout the movie. Like I'm surprised the parents weren't like wiping their asses for them because these kids did not know how to do anything on their own. They needed their parents to do everything. Dad, fix the, TV, Dad, mom, I need you to make me this thing. Dad, like the the kids were completely dependent on their parents and and showed absolutely no sign of independence or having any basic skills of anything at all. So just like teach your kids how to do stuff, man. Like teach your yeah. kids to be independent. Teach your kids how to do stuff. Teach your kids to do things for themselves. Like these two, like because in a situation like this, you kind of need all hands on deck and you kind of need everybody to be competent of of independent thought and action. And and these two kids were definitely. Yeah, completely dependent on their parents for everything. So, and and my takeaway from that was the daughter was definitely more aware than the son. Um, you know, with the the animals type situation, like she noticed that she then she wanted to go investigate that. Um, so, you know, as we wrap up this, obviously we this is probably one of our longest episodes, and. I could probably go on for more. So I think what I want to do is next week, I want to come back and talk about it even more, the rest of the movie, because it's not until the end when they're sitting in the car, the, the two husbands and the, the son, that you fully understand kind of what's what's happening, what's going on. And I, I'll say this, folks, if you haven't watched it and you decide to watch it, do not expect an end of the movie that you're like, ah, okay, they leave I love it. the ending, I by love the way. The, exactly. I love <laughs> the ending as well. Um, but there is so much to unwrap and unpack with yeah. it that I think next week we're going we're gonna to drill down even further into it because I believe that there is a very powerful message here um with the way that the movie ends especially based off of some of the things that we've seen over the last few years 
Um, and I think that it lends itself to, to be discussed a little bit more. Um, what do you, what do you think about that? No, that's, that's totally good to me. I, 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 I didn't expect us to go an hour 20, uh, but yeah. there, there is a lot of stuff to unpack here. And like I said, at the top of the show, a lot of this directly relates to other things that we have specifically addressed in other episodes. And I, I just thought that was like really good. And to come back and do a part two on this, it gives anybody that's listening, that's interested, gives them time to watch the movie and, and get caught up. Right. So I, I want to make one thing. So there's, there's, I don't know if they're called chapters. They're called parts in the movie. And the first part, yeah. part one is the house. Yeah. Um, and then part two, I believe is the curve. And I believe part three is the noise. And then I think part five or uh, three, part four is, um, I flood. think it's titled you know, flood. flood. Yeah. Flood. Yeah. And then five is the last one. Maybe I, I I'll have to double check that, but it's funny. That's the, that's the, that's the title of the episode of the friends uh, show that the, the child is watching. And that's, there's a lot you can, you, you'll understand a little bit more about that. So I think we're going to end that here. We are, like I said, a little bit long today. Uh, I appreciate you guys sticking with us on this one and we are going to come back next week and we're going to finish this because at this point, I think we're only into part two, the curve. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, that's, and, and like I said, there's no, I take that. That's back. exactly what I said. Like yeah. I stopped making notes at about 40 minutes into the yeah. movie because there, there's just, there's so much meat on this bone. So, yeah. yeah. So, all right, folks. Well, uh, until then, uh, you stay safe out there. Keep your head on a swivel uh, and don't be anybody's resupply. Jamie. That's it, man. It's easy to be hard. It's hard to be smart. Get training. Be smart. Awesome. Till then, we're out.